Let's pray. God, thank you for um, just your story uh, and how you've woven together um, each person in this room's life and uh, vocation and, um, and the life of so many friends and neighbors. And thank you in particular for Christy's story today and the grace that that is for, for so many of us. So we just give you praise and glory, um, and we, um, we pray that as we explore your, your gospel, your, your scriptures today, that um, the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing unto you. And it's the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, last week, Brad ended us off with a story of Jesus casting out demons into pigs where they ran off cliffs and died. Confirmation students, are you so bummed that you weren't in here for that? Um, and then what happened was the city got so upset that they pleaded with Jesus, can you just leave? Can you just get out of town? And so Jesus did. And we come to two stories this morning that we're going to explore together. Um, that I just love these stories, um, and, I, and I hope I hope that as we jump into them and explore them together, um, I hope that you'll love them too. Um, so what I want to do is I'm going to read the first story. And I want you to just hear it. Imagine Jesus; he just came over on a boat. Um, after getting kicked out of town. Um, and he's come to his town, which, which in his adult life was Capernaum. And um, that's where this story picks up. So I just want you to think to yourself, where, where do you find yourself stopping when you hear this story? What catches your attention? Um, what questions get raised for you? And I'll... I'll read this um, out loud. After getting into a boat, he crossed the water and came to his own hometown. And just then, some people were carrying a paralyzed man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And he stood up and went to his home. When the crowds saw it, they were filled with awe, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to human beings. Turn to a neighbor just quickly and share what caught your attention? What questions get raised for you? Um, as you heard that story, where, where might you have found yourself stopping? 
Go for it. All right, let's hear uh, from each other. What, uh, what caught people's attention? What, what questions were raised for you as you heard this story of Jesus and these, this group of friends? Yeah. Right. Wouldn't have healed him, right? <laughs> what else caught your attention? In Mark's story, version of this story, these, uh, these friends actually go to the extent of tearing out the roof to get their friend to Jesus. They, they jump on top of the house, they dig out the roof and kind of lower their friend because they would go to any extent. Um, and yeah, this passage says that Jesus sees their faith. Um, I, I was struck by that too. On a couple fronts. One, that Jesus sees their faith in the load that they carry. Um, in this case, it happens to be a friend who's in need. Um, but I found myself stopping and just thinking through, yeah, Jesus sees the faith of people in the loads they carry. Um, and I know enough of you and enough about us that there are loads that we carry. And their loads, sometimes because we're trying to live faithful, we're trying to live um, according to God's kingdom, which places us in a countercultural type of um, scenario. Um, and our best days, we're doing that because we're trying to follow God. Um, and it's a good word for us that, that Jesus sees our faith in the loads that we carry, um, in, the, in the things that we're passionate about, in the solidarity we try to try to show the other the other another commentator um, was talking about this at this part of the story how these friends bring Jesus or bring their friend um, to Jesus 
and um, suggested that the way we do that now is through something called intercessory prayer. That we have this gift, this opportunity to pray for one another, to bring one another to God um, when we can't seem to bring ourselves to God. Uh, there was a woman in our church for a few years named Emily. Some of you know Emily. Um, how many of you know Emily? A bunch of you? Yeah. Emily uh, came to our church via Oregon. She uh, was in a terrible car accident in Oregon. Um, Emily was in her late 60s when she was with us. And she was in a terrible car accident and ended up having to move in with family here in Southern California. And so she moved in and her family happened to be kind of like a big wig, a bishop in a district superintendent, it's called in our denomination. And so he was aware of all these different churches. And so he and his wife, who Emily's sister, kind of took her from church to church, looking for the church that she wanted to participate in while she was here. And I don't even know why they visited our church, to be honest with you, but they did, and Emily never left. Um, she leaned right in and was here every week, um, and at some point she asked, it was either me or Tiffany or someone, for a list of all the children in our church because she wanted to pray for them every day. Um, and she would just on and on and on with a, a great confidence and a great faith in the authority of Jesus um, would carry our kids and, and, and all adults to God. Um, and I thought, what a wonderful challenge for us. Um, are there people in our lives that we could commit to taking to God? Um, Joel just asked me this morning how Scott was doing. And I'm happy to report that they're very optimistic about the treatment they're getting. Um, and just Joel said, I've been praying for them. Um, and I hope that we could be a praying church, a church that really reaches out and prays for, for one another. Um, what else caught your attention in this story? Anybody else? Uh, yeah, Dave. Yeah. No? There's a hand over here. Yeah. Yeah, it starts with blasphemy, right? Like, uh, God forgives, right? And nobody else. And there's this whole system we have, a temple system set up, based in slaughtering animals, um, where this forgiveness takes place. 
So you've got blasphemy. Then you've got the word authority a couple times throughout this story. Authority kind of gets a bad rap around here, right? Kind of gets a bad rap in general. Um, we think of the authorities, right? Um, we think of um, badged enforcers, right? Um, authority can be understood in this way, like at, at some point down the chain, there's an army attached to, to how things work. Um, and yet Jesus has authority. He has authority over the storms and the sea. He teaches with authority. He has authority to heal and now to forgive. Um, it's a different kind of authority, though, right? It's authority that invites um, and power and freedom and love. And in this story, it it's, it's really is. We get caught on the healing. We get Our attention goes there. We should probably think about that. Um, because this story is about forgiveness. The, the story of healing is to emphasize the forgiveness of God. And there's a couple of images of forgiveness that I find helpful um, here. I want to tell you those three real quick and then tell you a quick story. One, N.T. Wright talks about forgiveness of sin is putting away sin. Putting it away. Um, so that it's not a part anymore. That it doesn't have power anymore. Um, and so to forgive is to just, it's to put it away. Another writer talks about sin or forgiveness as Calling forth people, groups of people, calling them forth out of chaos, the chaos of sin. Um, and so in this story, Jesus starts in the boat, and Brad reminded us last week that whenever there's water in the Bible, there's chaos. Um, so this image of let's call one another out. ...of the sin that entangles. Um, the third image that I, I just see all over this passage... ...is the image of stand-up. Um, three times in this passage... ...you get that language of stand-up. This idea that Jesus invites us... ...to stand up out of that which... Um, ...entangles us in sin... It's a, it's a, it's a, it could be gentle, it could be a challenge, it could be a lot of different ways, I think, in terms of emotion. But there's this, this image of stand up. I was in high school, I was, had a girlfriend named Melissa, uh, junior year. And uh, I liked Melissa, she was cool. Um, she cussed like a sailor. Um, that, uh, that ended up doing it in for me. Little did I know that I'd Ari, marry Ari. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Melissa and I only were boyfriend and girlfriend for a few months. And then um, we broke up and summer came and school kicked back up in the fall. And one of my good buddies named Mike Jennings um, started dating Melissa. And I was at a football game. I can remember so clearly. And I was kind of making fun of them. I was certainly operating out of insecurity and jealousy or, you know, something. But I was making fun of them. 
And my other friend Jason comes up to me and he's like, Josh, you are normally such a nice guy. But right now you're being the biggest jerk. Just like that. And I was probably beat red, you know. And it was a great moment for me. And Jason was my next door neighbor. So we had tons of history and friendship. And so I, I went over to Mike Amelis and just apologized for what I had been doing. But even in a kind of a silly moment like that, um, you can see imagery of like setting it aside. Like, Josh, set this aside. Set your insecurities. Set your, you know, whatever jealousy that you're entangled in. And I had a friend who helped me do that. Um, or maybe it's the imagery of calling out. Jason certainly did that for me. Come out of this, Josh. This is not you. This is not how you act. Um, or even just a simple word of, Josh, stand up. Because what you're doing right now is not that. Stand up. Um, and I think, I think those are very simple, but kind of powerful images um, for what forgiveness looks like. A, a trick for us in our culture is to actually think we need forgiveness. Um, for some of us in this room, you're like, no, Josh, trust me. I'm, I definitely can recognize where I need it. Um, but in our culture that really wants to believe that education and like the right way of thinking and science and these like these things can give us the answers. And we've been trying this narrative for a long time now. We can fall into this idea that now it's really just we got to just know more. We just got to try harder um, and we can get to where we need to get. And then we have weekends like we've had. Events in England. Um, events in Portland, Oregon. Um, events right here in Monrovia down the street two nights ago. Um, and we're reminded that, you know, sin is not this like something that I think we need to like take onto our shoulders as if we are the source of all sin in the world. There's no, there's no shame in acknowledging the brokenness and the entanglement that we all have in ways that aren't of God. Um, but I think this passage, it invites us to, to acknowledge the reality of sin in the world and our part in it. Whether we consciously decide to be a part of it um, or not. And Jesus seems to say, set it aside. Come out. Stand up to something new, um, to something different. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Are you ready for the next one? Here it is. Listen up to this. Right after our story, Matthew writes, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
But when he heard this, Jesus, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. What catches your attention this time? Where do you find yourself stopping in a story like that? This is an awesome story. Um, share with one each, each other. Go for it. All right, what, uh, what caught our attention this time? Can you imagine yourself at this meal? Um, who would you be? You can't say Jesus. What caught your attention? Questions raised, good. What is a tax booth? Uh, when I, when, I th when I read tax collector or, or, or someone who is, I presume, at a booth collecting taxes, um, I think of those attorneys on the, on the commercials on TV who they just kind of look slimy, and then they have these clients who are telling that they've got them like all this money or whatever. Or you see these attorneys on billboards, same, same kind of thing. Like, that's what comes to my mind. Um, and my dad is an accountant, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't collect the taxes, though. <laughs> um, it's almost disturbing that that's who Jesus calls to follow. It's almost like, really? 
Like, aren't you going to call the people this guy is exploiting? Um, and the first thing that Matthew does when Jesus calls him is what? Stand up. Get up. Uh, once again, this theme. Like, come out of that which binds you. Come out of that which is robbing you of experiencing God's kingdom. Um, and then immediately they sit down again, right? Uh, in different company. What else caught your attention? Yeah, fine. The, the sin of the Pharisees in this story seems to be that they can't see their own sin. I mean, they go where? They don't go to Jesus, right? They go to, like, his friends, like, pss, 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 right? And when do we do that? We do that when we're insecure, when we're unsure, right? Or we're going after someone. But yeah, they, they seem to, to miss and be unable to see their own shortcomings. Um, Kathleen Norris is a great writer, and she writes, It's tempting to take the pharisaical route and judge myself to be morally sound, not like, quote-unquote, them, whoever, quote-unquote, they may be. And then she goes on, Conversely, I might believe myself to be such a dreadful sinner as to be beyond remedy. Find herself in the same spot. Redemption is not for me, it's for them. Um, the reality is, is both these things just run right through all of us, right? But when we sign into these like caricatured understandings, we end up being isolated. Um, isolation is the, the fruit of being a Pharisee. Breaking up with girls who cuss, right? Um, or isolation, being one who just considers themselves beyond redemption. Because this story says no one is beyond redemption. No one is beyond forgiveness. Um, Jesus' whole life his whole teaching, all his behaviors um, are about this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Um, I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners. And what I see in this story is not, rather than isolation, right? Whether you're a Pharisee or a tax collector or 
or just one who's missing the mark. You see Jesus and Matthew and all these misfits, these unlikely um, invites. And you see them sitting at a table, enjoying a meal, reclining even, is one translation. You see this people who missed the mark experiencing, embodying the forgiveness that was talked about in the story before. They're in a community of mercy and forgiveness. Last week, Brad um, talked about just the sacrifice that it takes sometimes to, to be a part of a community and the hard work that's required. And this is certainly not to... Um, Deny that, because it's true. To, to allow people to affect you and you to affect them takes sacrifice. But my prayer and hope for Mountainside Communion and for us and all of our lives is that while we make these commitments to the work of God here and to each other, um, that this be a place of mercy, um, that we be a community of forgiveness, where we help each other stand up, um, where we come alongside each other and say, you know what, we'll put that away. I know you did this. We'll name it and we'll put it away um, and we'll move forward out of this chaos, out of this sin. Um, that our church be a place where anyone and everyone can come and recline and dine at the table of God um, and experience mercy um, from, from one another. We had a, a great buildings and grounds meeting this week. I mean, what says like sacrifice more than a buildings and grounds meeting? Um, and we were talking about this building and how we're going to try to maintain it. And one of the people in the, in the group, we were talking about just the capacity of our church and everybody involved in terms of time and energy. And this person said, you know, I'm, I'm going to give to my church and I'm also going to give to my kid's school and my community. And I think we want people in our church to be doing that. Not just giving everything here. And it was such a good reminder that we want to be people who move in the mercy and forgiveness of God amongst one another. And that we find it here. But that we also move in the mercy and forgiveness of God in these different situations and workplaces and, and communities and friendship circles that we, that we are a part of as well. Um, and the good news of the gospel is that God's mercy is, is everywhere. Because if God's mercy is with slimy lawyers on billboards um, and with people just deemed sinners, um, those who miss the mark, that means God's mercy is with all of us. 
Do we have everybody yet? Yeah? Almost? Who are we waiting for? I don't read from Hebrews much around here. Um, I don't know why, but I was thinking about this today, for today, and I want us to think about this setting. Jesus reclining with tax collectors and sinners, eating, being accused of hanging out with the wrong people. This is the mercy of God, lived out. Um, And I want us to think about that image as we read Hebrews and as we prepare to come to the table um, together. Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come, whatever law that might be, um, and not the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year, make perfect those who approach. Think the Pharisees in this story. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats, or violence, to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you've not desired, but a body, a life you've prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. And it's by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. For by a single offering, his whole life, um, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I'll make with them after those days, says the Lord, I'll put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, his body, his life. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, to mercy, not sacrifice. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. God, we're going to come to the table um, because you beckon us here. And we come to this table proclaiming um, your life, your love, your forgiveness. Um, And God, we come acknowledging 
um, that we need your life and your love and your forgiveness. And so we pray, God, that by your body and by your blood, you would empower us to stand up. That you would call us forth out of anything that entangles us um, from your kingdom. That you would enable us to set aside those things which keep us from the faithfulness that you have for us. So give us courage if we need it. Give us comfort if we need it. Um, But may this time together be a means of your grace for us. It's the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.